Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I'm Anna David, and I interview actors, writers, musicians, and other creatives about addiction, recovery, and sharing their dark to find their light. Well, I think that all my heroes were drug addicts. This podcast features both the interviews and the stories. The interviews often share the dark. The stories often share the light. Oh, yes. I had eight butt cakes while watching 35 Forensic Files, but I did not drink. Are you a light hustler? Keep listening to find out. And I was like, really? Like, that's, you, that's, that's it? That's what I am? I'm just bad at being uncomfortable? So simple, and it also makes me feel like it's such a dick. Hi there, you're listening to Light Hustler. It's a podcast hosted by me, Anna David. Talk about addiction, recovery, and sharing your dark to find your light. And today, it's a special shame episode. It's with one of my favorite people on earth, and we get we spend a lot of time together, so this is just like super fly on the wall stuff. So only listen if you want to hear two women talking about uh, being attracted to dysfunctional men. Uh, going to the bathroom in front of a boyfriend, herpes, skin picking, and why, if you're a man, you should never invite a woman into the shower just after you've peed. Now, if this episode motivates you to want to share your story, and my God, if it does, you might be a very sick person, um, go take our quiz. It's uh, Just go to futureauthorquiz.com and see if you have a book in you, maybe a book that's full of all your most shameful secrets. And anyway, with that, I give you Lauren Wallet, Alchemist Academy, which helps people turn their ideas into gold. Welcome, Lauren. Oh, thanks for having me, Anna. I was giving her shit because she has never listened to this podcast. And I was explaining to Anna that I think it's creepy because I, I speak to Anna all the time when I'm not texting her and not seeing her. And then I'm like listening to her audiobooks or reading her books. And I'm like, if I start adding the podcast to it, it's just a little bit too obsessive even for me. I mean, I like it, but I agree it's a little bit weird. Also, I actually wear her t-shirt that she has from, from Living the Dream Sundays Only. And, and the necklace. And I wear her necklace all the time. <laughs> saying light hustler and I'm always tagging myself as a light hustler on Instagram. There's that. There's all of that. But so so it's okay. This is why I'm allowing her to be on the podcast having never listened to the podcast. But this is a super, super bizarre episode. So, a, it's the first one I've done lying down on the ground. Mm, I, I, I know you don't listen to it, but that's unusual. Yeah. And what we're going to do, because we were just talking about, since we spend like most days together. And a lot of road trips recently. Yes. Um, and a lot of road trips. Um, so rather than doing a straight up interview, I mean, look, Lauren's sober. She's sober a year and three months. Uh, just over 500 days. So what's that? Like a year and a half almost? Something like that. Mm. She is an alcoholic, but she sometimes wonders if she's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Talk about yeah. that. Um, 
So what I find weird is like when I think back on my drinking days and all these drunken stories and these bizarre experiences that I've had, I still just think every single person I know drinks like that and continues to in Durban. They all carry on. Yeah. So how alcoholic is that? Although I consider them all to be alcoholics. And yeah, yeah, like the guy I'm currently seeing, he reminds me of myself and he's a full blown alcoholic and admitted it. So it's like I can see it. And my father was an alcoholic and I come from an alcoholic family. But then I'm like, "Mm, not really me. Or like, I feel like I'm like, like I was growing into an alcoholic. Like it didn't get to the phase where it was bad, even though I just think I think it's denial. It's weird. Like it. It's weird. I mean, well, the, um, and the other thing is like, it's sort of like if the cure works, isn't that mean you have the disease? Yeah. Like I liked when you said like uh, a normal person wouldn't need to go to AA twice a day. Twice a day and <laughs> love it and relate to everything everyone says yeah, and, be obsessed. and be obsessed with it and, and think everyone needs to go and take dates on to yeah, non-alcoholic dates to, dates to AA. Yeah. I think AA is the best thing in the world. I think everyone needs it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really into it. Compulsively, yeah. obsessively, alcoholically. So, okay, so our thing is that, we, so we met in November? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. At a meeting. And now we do a bunch of stuff together. Our, our, I've never talked about this on the podcast. Exclusive. I hate it when people think something's so important and so many people care. And they're like, this is an exclusive. I've never yeah, I've never about. said this before. It's like, no one cares. No one's I even listening. No, yeah. I know. Or it's like when somebody says, um, I think we've talked about this. They say like, don't tell anybody. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, actually, no one cares. Yeah, no, so no, no one worries. Cares. No worries. Yeah. Um, but but we have this streaming show called She-E-O. Yeah. And it's on Apple TV and Roku. Yeah, it's amazing. When you sent me the picture the other day, because we've only ever seen it, like, we get the snapshots and we watch it on Vimeo. Am I saying that right? Yeah. But um, Anna sent me pictures of it on her TV. It felt very cool. It felt like it felt like a big deal. And that's why she gave me such a great intro, because that's our intro from the show. I know, exactly. So it's it's a real show-ish. Yeah, it is. So you go to ever you have to get the Evergreen app on Apple Ever TV. Ever talk. Isn't it focused network? I don't know. Well, well you can just there's... go to our site. We built a great one. Yeah, what's our site? It's SheEO Show. Dot com. And we just added, we're doing an uh, a day, a sh- mm. our first CEO day on June 29th in Los Angeles. So you have to be in Los Angeles. And it is, uh, it's Instagram influence through storytelling. Yeah. So sharing your story online. Yeah. Is, yeah. And this is something which you said the other day, which I know is related to our topic, which I really loved. Because obviously, if, if you're listening, you know, Anna's whole thing is actually your dog to find your life. Yeah. You're obsessed with that. But then she said to me, and it's really been sticking in my head, that it's all very easy to share things that you're not shameful about anymore, even if those are controversial to other people. What about the things you are ashamed of? And I thought, I'm always talking, I'll say anything because it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't talk about what I'm really embarrassed about because like, that feels disgusting. But normal shameful things just aren't shameful to me. Mm. I know. I think that's, we have that so in common. And it was actually, uh, my idol Lena Dunham said in her book, um, it's just a line in her book, Not That Kind of Girl, where she just says, oh, because if people kept saying, you're so brave to show your body or to show your naked body. And she's like, it's not brave if you're not scared. Yeah. And I said that in a, like when I went and spoke at those churches in New Jersey. Yeah. And this, and the mayor got up and was like, I learned the greatest thing from Anna David. It's not, it's not brave if you're not scared. I was like, shit, I stole that from Lena Dunham's <laughs> book. I hope no one here has read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that thing. And it's like, it's like, we are not um, afraid to talk about recovery. Mm. But 
I have all sorts of things. And so that's what the impetus for this episode is, is talking about those things we're actually ashamed of, not the things we're fake ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah, this is one more thing. It's like, I think this is also what makes me think maybe I'm not an alcoholic because like, why did I think it's this big shameful deal? But that's not a prerequisite for alcoholism is thinking it's shameful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like, isn't this the coolest thing in the world? But I I know. Not everyone thinks so. Not everyone thinks so, but in Los Angeles, a lot of people seem to think so. Who the fuck knows? I'm, yeah, ta- yeah. I'm sick of that topic. Let's talk about shame. Real shame. Yeah, real shame. <laughs> so, you know, my thing, and I do this new talk about it, is that, like, I was like, yeah, I'm so brave. I talk about recovery. And, like, oh, it's so easy for me to be brave. And then I had this epiphany about a year ago when I went through this this breakup that just, like, triggered all this trauma. And I was massively depressed and crying all the time. And I didn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. And I, ca- like, tried to cancel all these interviews and things I was doing. And my friend said to me, I don't understand. Like your whole thing is share your dark to find your light. Why why are you ashamed? And I realized like, oh, I just want to feel better than people. I just want to be like, oh, I used to be like you, but look at me. I've come so far. Yeah. And I don't talk about those things that really bring me shame. And so that's what I'm trying to do now. Like depression. I don't want to talk about that because that feels unsexy. You don't really suffer from depression. I just like have anxiety, but also like, yeah, like if I I call it like when I'm feeling miserable or depressed, I don't call it. I call it mini deaths. Yeah, that's true. And then do. I put myself to bed. So then I can't like I you have sleep to, through it. I have to sleep through it. Like and I, I can't get up and I have to put myself to bed and then I have to tell myself that I die and then when I'm reborn I'm fine again. But I have to let myself die. Like so I do a lot of things that I tell. I make up these stories of what I'm doing to frame it to allow myself to have the experience. Yeah. And then I seem like to move through it quicker. But I, it feels like depression is like is because of a lack of expression of allowing yourself to say the thing. That's how I framed it in my head. Or allowing yourself to feel the feeling. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, I think that that's true because it's like the 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 problem isn't the feeling. The problem is resisting the feeling. Yeah. I resist depression. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm chemically depressed. One of the things I'm ashamed of. I mean, okay, here's, mm. let me clarify. I'm treated for depression. So I take two medications. And as a result of that, I don't, I don't feel depressed. I also go to therapy and, you know, do a bunch of other things. So is the, is the medication depre- is um, shameful or just the actual depression? All of it. Do Even you, therapy? Not therapy. Okay, yeah. I mean, not that's therapy. cool, I would think. Therapy's cool. Yeah. But do you, and, and just to be totally honest, do you think I seem depressed? No, not at all. Never. No. I mean, no, no, I know because yeah. I'm treated for it. And I think that that is like a confusing thing to people because they're like, oh, it's that person suffers from depression, well, so they must be depressed. This is what I always think with like people and maids and all that kind of stuff. One of my best friends growing up with is a girl called Jane and she yeah. was on maids from like 14. She's one of the most stable, lovely, delightful people. Jane, hey, if Jane's actually listening. Maybe she, she listens and you don't. Jane's probably the only, yeah, Jane probably is the only friend of mine who would be listening. She was so wonderful and so stable. And then I've had other friends who needed medication. And there is nothing worse than a person who needs medication and is not taking it. It's terrifying. Or they're self-medicating through drugs and alcohol or whatever else. And I've had a lot of friends like that too. We're no longer friends. But Jane has been the most stable person in the world. So I've always thought people on medication is really cool if they medicated correctly. Because then you just get that balance fixed. I know. It's weird. Because you know, I don't even know if you know this about like American insurance, but we're considered high risk because if you have depression, and this is all part of Obamacare and all this shit, but it's like if you have depression, that's considered a pre-existing condition. That's like having cancer or to a insurance company, you are considered such high risk because I guess 
you may kill yourself. And that may cost the hospital a lot of money. How insane is that? That's the people who are on medication are the least likely to kill themselves. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I think that I've always had this thing because my dad is very mentally ill and takes medication. And he used to say to me when I was really little, oh, you're just like me. You, you need medication, just like me. And he would like shove these like lithium pills at me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, um, and so I think I grew up being like, I will not be like him. I will not be like him. And I just think that there's, and, and lately I think because I've come more into my acceptance of myself and my self-love and, and, and all of this stuff that like, I'm just like, yeah, I take medication. Yo, it's like uh, my father who was alcoholic, I think was severely depressed. And maybe if he'd got on medication or actually done something about it, he wouldn't be dead. Like if, if you actually, if you, it's worse not to say anything. I know. Do you, is medication as common in South Africa? It's um, a lot of my friends were on it or like, yeah, really? working with it. Yeah. But also I'm very attracted to mentally ill people. That's true. And you you hung out with like actresses and like reality yeah. stars and like the, the, yeah. the mentally ill. Yeah. I mean, I'm, in the I'm interested in, in like in like alcoholics and true. mentally ill people. So true. like that's my jam. Like I find other people extremely boring. Yeah. You know, normal so, people. Yeah. yeah. Normal people I don't really understand. Just, yeah. Ticking time bombs, normals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm dating a normal person now, and he's lovely. I know. I'm not. And yeah, that's true. He's not lovely, and it's just how I like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, but that's a first. That's a shame thing, which you know. Yeah. So I am. I'm, I make fun of the people that I date and mm-hmm. go for, but it is a point of shame for me because if I'm honest about who I truly like, I feel that I shouldn't be interested in people that I'm interested in. I feel that I should know better, and any shoulds are like yeah, you're shitting all over yourself. I'm all, yeah, totally. And it's like. I'm in, and I've often felt like when I've had guys who are friends that never last speak, like the ones who pretend to be my friends because they actually usually want something more, the good guys who tend not to be the worst ones are always like, oh, you know, like as if there's some kind of self esteem issue that I'd be going for these guys who yeah. aren't the right there could type be for a, me. There is a self esteem issue. There is a self esteem, yeah, there's probably a self esteem issue. And also, it's like, it's tricky when what I'm attracted to is so specific and like I still am with all the self help stuff, with all the coaching that I, that I have and that I do. There's a kind of attraction that I have. And I think this is often reflected in people who they are professionally is one thing and personally, but then physically it's a whole other thing. And I'm just into certain shit. And it's like, I know, I just I mean, am. I know. I do think it's related to your trauma. So, like, but then it's like, should I be ashamed of what I'm into? No, but like when a homeless man walks into a meeting and you go, me on. and you go, that's so hot. I know. I mean, I see them on the street. I know. I know. I know so, maybe that's the other. And that I think is funny. I know. Like, do you know what I've realized? Well, also, that's the other thing. There's things like, it's like shameful. I'll make it a joke. So yes. people think I'm very funny because I say outrageous things, but they just exactly what I'm thinking. Right. I remember when I met you and I go, do people tell you you're funny without realizing it? Because people always say that to me and I always think. Oh, no, I, I do realize it. No, no, I know I'm funny, but it's only yeah. funny because it's true. Right, right, right. So it's not like I'm like tra- crafting a joke in my head, like right, hearing right. symbols. I'm just saying what I'm thinking. Now, let, but let's, let's talk about this because part of it, your thing with these men is I believe you. You genuinely are interested in these fucked up men mm. and you don't get devastated by them. When I kind of had a habit of fucked up men... I would end up emotionally pummeled. I did. So this guy that I'm talking about, the central character who's been in my life in yeah. America, when he first left me, uh, after the first month, 18 months ago, 16 months ago, I was devastated. It was traumatizing. What are you like when you're devastated? 
um, I was crying a lot. Uh, my friend Genevieve said, if it's hysterical, it's historical. So yeah. it's not about him. It's one of those. And then I had a mini death. I put myself to sleep. I literally put myself down. And then, and then I was, I, I seem to get over it. But then when he comes back, I like, I find him irresistible. So I go back and I go back and I go back and I think it'll go away. It doesn't go away. But do you want to have a stable long-term relationship? No. Um, no. And it's like, and I, I, I feel that the reason, and this is the problem with being self-aware. It's like, I'm self-aware, but do you think I can change it? No. Right. I feel that I make these choices where I get to go, look, I am trying to have a relationship. Like I said to you, this is guy's my boyfriend. Right. Do I see him? Do I ever really speak to him? No. Am I looking for other people? Yeah. Is it a relationship? <laughs> Probably not. But I get to go, no, no, I am, I am trying to have a relationship. I want to be normal. Like I try to have relationships, but I only choose people where the, in, the inevitability is like, it's not going to last. I know. And do you feel shame about it? Because it doesn't seem like you do. I, I don't think I do. I think I'm kind of into it. I'm very attracted to shame. So when I so like when I go to AA and yeah. I look at the room and the people with major shame, they light up like they're glowing in the dark. Like I can see it. It's like they're wearing it on them and I want to feed off of their shame. And though this sounds weird, I can't like say any other words. Yeah. It is I'm hungry for shame and when I, I want to absorb it and I want to eat it. So what brings you the most shame? Me. That's not an answer, um, is no, it? No, 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 no. I'm, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm saying it's a question. Yes. I'm like, so we're, we're talking about this a bit. I think one of the gross things is, this will, this will sound worse than it is. Maybe it won't. Maybe it just is as disgusting as it sounds. I was born with herpes on my mouth. Okay. And in the cases of extreme stress, it can travel to your butt cheek. Yes. I'm not making this up. You can Google it. And it happened in Cape Town the first time on my bikini line. I'd been tanning. Um, I thought it was to do with like sexual shame, but it came up and now I get it all the time. And it's like, it's not the sexual herpes, but there's no difference of how it looks. It's just not in your genitals. It's on my butt cheek. So it is, I take pictures I showed you. I don't should know, we yeah. should we put them in the show notes? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to take a picture of my butt now because I've just realized I can hear I just healed my herpes butt with Deuterra oil on God. You showed me a picture once. Yeah. And to my credit, I accepted that. You did accept it. It's really disgusting. It's pustule, like white herpes sores. <sighs> it's extremely painful. It's hard to sit down. It's so uncomfortable. And I feel like it's talking to me, like telling me something. I was born with this mouth herpes from my father. So I always feel like it's my dead father talking to me. Like, and it's it's a bit gross, but at the same time, like, it doesn't stop me from... Like, even in a full outbreak, I'll just put a plaster on if I'm, like, have What's a boyfriend. A, plast? a plaster. And a... Um, a what, Band-Aid? A Band-Aid, yeah. A plaster. I'll put on a plaster. No, but I yeah. have a question. So, like, I don't Can, care. Is it communicable? The one on your lips is not communicable if you're making out with somebody? No, and sometimes guys will be like, oh, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I have, like, this herpes on my mouth. Or, like, I have this... I'm like, don't touch my butt. You know, there's, like, a sore there. I'll tell them. Yeah. Like, and they're like, can I get this on my dick? Like, that's always the concern. Of course. And I'm like, no. And then we just carry on making out. Like, no one ever stops me. I'm like, this is how people get sexually transmitted diseases. Well, like, you know, when How da- do you know it's not communicable? Because I've been doing this shit since I was like, since I lost my virginity and no one's ever caught it from me. You've got to have herpes in your system. Wow. Okay. It's, got, you know, it's like, it's not, that's, that's gross. Like, that's not cool. But at the same time. But that's time, not fair for you to say it's gross when there's nothing to be ashamed of, right? Well, that's what, like, I talk about it and guys have seen it and, like, it hasn't stopped me doing anything. So, like, I don't, I don't know if it is that, but that's gross. Like, that's. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Wait, does yeah. Valtrax help that medication that people take for herpes? I don't know what that is. Okay. No, I, I don't, I don't know what that is. But like I said to you the other day, I was like, maybe I should take a picture of my butt now yeah. that I healed it with the oils. Yeah. And then it'll be a good excuse to do, like, a nice thong pic and then scroll and see the herpes 
hippie's butt. Yeah. But then you didn't think, no, that was a bit much. I, but I also thought it was a bit much to talk about on the podcast and we're talking about it. Oh, oh damn it. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Okay. That's why we're doing this is oh. to conquer those feelings okay. because. So if you have hippies, think, it's okay. Yeah. I think Any it's, tap. I think it's super brave of you to talk about it. I'm so afraid of seeming gross. I don't have herpes, just to, either the kind that you were talking about <laughs> or the kind that's in your body. Um, but but I'm so worried about seeming gross. So that's gross. And then also when I get stressed, my hair totally flakes out. Not even dandruff, the worst dandruff when like dry, like flaking scalp, like we can scratch your head until it bleeds. No, ah. it's, it's worse than dandruff. There's the other one. Okay, okay, I don't know. Cirrhosis or something. Yeah, yeah. That's gross. That, that That's embarrassing. What can I do? I'm just, like, I'm a disgusting but human. But that's the thing, is that human beings are disgusting. And yeah. so my thing. Yes. I, okay, let's go. Since about the age of 12, I have picked at my skin. Mm-hmm. And it brings me so much shame. And so for a long time, I would call it cuticle picking. And I remember a boyfriend... That's what I thought it was when I said to you, oh, like this, and I showed you. And then when you it said, cut, So I remember, no. I remember a boyfriend in college going, hey, so Anna, if I picked the skin off my top of my neck down to my chest, would you call that neck picking or would you call it something else? Like, like it's, so it's down. I don't, I do pick a little bit at the cuticles. I'm so sorry if anyone's squeamish, but it's mostly kind of down at the knuckle. And I'll pick... Um, a couple fingers, usually on my right hand, mm-hmm. and I just do it. But and you it, peel the skin off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I saw this and it really wasn't that. Because I was expecting, I was like, oh my God, what's she going to tell me that I don't really know? Yeah. And it was that, and it was quite sweet how shameful you were about it. Especially when I saw, like, your damage. Like, it was, like, not that much I told my therapist yesterday that you found it sweet and that it was a very healing for me. Oh, good. But yeah, because to me, it's the biggest deal yeah. It's so disgusting. It's so humiliating. So with um like the guy I'm dating doesn't know and the way that I get around him know. knowing he I don't think he listens. Oh great. There's again, there's so much material. Like mm-hmm. he's has you know, mm-hmm. like we've got him on a book right now. Like we don't need him mm-hmm. to listen to the podcast. Um but I wanna tell him. Um, but it's like, so if they want to hold, a, a boyfriend wants to hold my right hand, I just have to move over and have them hold my left hand because. But don't you think this is the thing, like, because you're not saying it, it becomes a bigger deal? Yes, that's why we're talking about it. So yeah, that I can, so like, let it go. It and so. It dissolves. But so it's like, I've tried everything. I've tried hypnosis. I've tried medication. I've tried. Hypnosis worked briefly for like three weeks. It was amazing. Um, and right now I'm trying EMDR and, like, nothing stops me. I just want to do it all the time. I spend probably three hours a day thinking about it, thinking about don't do it. Oh, you're doing it. Oh, you shouldn't do it. I pray. I For years, that was my morning prayer is don't pick today. And it now has a term. Like in the last couple of years, it's come out. It's a form of OCD. Um, I forget what it's, I can't believe I'm dermatological. No, it has a few names. And um, I even went to a, um, like a self-mutilation theater, mm. theater, Jesus, therapist and she has a group and she was like you could join the group but like your thing is so mild you really wouldn't fit in in the group like these are people who it are like it seems like it's like a nail biting thing like when I meet fully grown men you bite their nails and I'm always like I mean I just want to suck their fingers but I don't but I mean maybe later but like I yeah. see that I'm like oh I know how much anxiety and self-loathing is in there and it's just so but nice. is it is it that's the thing okay that's so what the, I think if I see bitten nails I think that but you, you don't you don't think that about mine's peeled off skin 
I know it just wasn't such a bad like thing that you had done to it. I, I, I'm just interested in like what are you peeling away or like, what are you digging for. So, like, I'm interested in like when you the mind body connection of what are these things saying. So when I get those sores on me, I'm yeah. like, what are they saying? Because part of it, part of me likes it. It's so sore. It makes me very aware. I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting a message. Like I think our body talks to us. So I want to yeah. know what are you like if you went into it. I think it would have a lot of interesting stories. But I've gone into you. it for. 25 years and it's like I think about that you're not comfortable in your own skin literally yeah um and but I think what it comes down to is that I have anxiety and that I don't think anxiety is cool and I only want things that are cool like I want to be an alcoholic because I think that's cool I don't want to be depressed because that's not cool and so I somehow learned long ago that like I can't like anxious ew I don't have social anxiety or whatever and so that's how I cope I was thinking of this writing over here I was like disgusting things I can talk about. Like, and I, if I have something shameful, I want to say it immediately. Like, I had this boyfriend a while ago and I clogged his toilet oh, yeah. twice. That was the most disgusting thing in the world. That's like, awful. That was, that was really embarrassing. But as quickly as I said it, I felt like I eradicated it because then, like, my closest friends knew this was the worst thing possible. <laughs> and I'm like, that happened to me, then it was done. But I was driving over here and I was like, I'm ashamed of the sexual trauma that I've got. Right. I'm ashamed of it because I don't, I like to think of myself as a powerful, independent, go-getting person. If anything happens to me that I didn't choose, I feel that it is a weakness and that Mm. it doesn't suit me and it's not my like brand of who I am. And how is a person who is like strong, powerful, warrior woman, how did bad things happen to me? I must have made them happen to me. So I like literally go into this thing of I make bad things happen but to me. But that's delusional. It's totally delusional. I make men do bad things. They're not bad. I'm bad. Because if I'm bad, I'm somehow empowered in, in the situation and in control. And I realized driving house, like there are things about that. That's It's shameful to me. And I and I think I said this, I, want, I don't even want to go into all the details, but there's this one man in particular who like, whatever, if he came to America, I would still want to see him for lunch. I would want to make it okay. This is someone who I should never speak to again. Right. But it's it's too ugly. I don't like ugly things. Like, the cool thing is one thing, but I don't like ugly things that have happened to me. I don't like it. It's, Nobody it's, likes the ugly shame. things. It feels gross. Like, it actually yeah. makes me feel sick thinking about it. So I just don't want to. But that's like sexual abuse. Is that yeah, the, I just don't Is like that the, the perpetrator often doesn't feel the shame. It's the victim that feels the shame. And I don't like the word victim. So I know. Like all, I don't like the word victim. I don't like, and I'm learning a lot about this in coaching, which is like, um, especially with doing work like Byron Katie, which is do the turnarounds. And they spoke about that today. Like, you know, I was abused. I abused him. Now, some for me to hear something like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely my fault. That's like the worst thing that you can yeah. say to someone. Because it's like, I don't want to look at it. Victim feels shameful. I know, but yeah. okay, we, and we were talking about this because you had that submissive that came over today, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like somehow I didn't even get the details of how some man who gets off on doing things for women yeah. came over to your, to you and Genevieve's house or whatever and, yeah. and cleaned and cleaned, made you breakfast. breakfast, gave us foot rubs. Yeah, that was fine. It wasn't really but, my scene. But we were saying how he was irritating because he had this victim thing. Yeah, it rem- I was telling you, it reminded me of South Africa, where we all grew up, like, even though it was post-apartheid, South Africa is the most divided country, and everyone has maids, right. and drivers, and gardeners, and all these things, and your maids, basically, they wash your panties, and do your, fold your bed, and, like, they do everything, and it's actually normal, which yeah, is yeah, weird. yeah. but it can be frustrating when you have, like, a servant doing things for you, and I think it's because there's a guilt that I feel, must be, because, I don't know, I become, like, a tyrant, like, today, there's this man 
working for me for free. Yeah. Paying for the food that he's cooking for me. And I'm like, could this guy just hurry the fuck up? I'm like, why is he taking so fucking long with these potatoes? I'm like, can you please bring some oil? Like, oh my God, like they're bland and I'm annoyed. Like, <laughs> like, and I think to myself, oh, he's loving this. He's supposed to be like, I have all these bad thoughts. Whereas that's me with a subservient. Put me in a relationship. I'm basically moving You're over. You're basically him. I'm basically him. Yeah. I was on my hands and knees scrubbing this guy's floor, redecorating his apartment, buying him food, doing whatever he said. And he was treating me like a... This is the guy... Remember this guy who I met you with? This guy literally told me that having sex with me was like having sex um, rolling in shit. Like... <laughs> Okay, and you know what the problem was? Before I told anyone about this, I fucking believed him. I was I was showering so much, and I was like, he told me I came from a third world country in Africa, and that's why I smelled so bad. And I believed him. That's where my self esteem goes. Okay, right. Until I was like, uh, I think this guy's lying. Yeah, like I think this is not true, and it's I mean it's not true. I smell great, but like oh my god, I believed him. So I can be fully subservient. And when there was this man being kind. It frustrated and irritated me and reminded me of like when I had maids and they would irritate me when they were just doing their job. But it's that shaking, desperate, ah, hello, here are some chocolates. Well, because I think, I think what it is, is that, you know, it's the if you spot it, you've got it. You hate that oh, part of you. Yeah. And that's because I hate it when people are even slightly afraid of me or trying to please me. It makes me enraged. Yeah. Because it reminds me that I'm like that with that's certain so people. True. That's you so know? true. I definitely have that. That's what this guy, because shame, this guy was sweet, but I was just like, I was like, oh. Because it's not him. No, it's me. Yeah. 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 I know. Gross. I know. And that's why I repulse men when I act like that. So like they'll get, and this is the thing I said to you, this is my embarrassing thing. A strong, confident man, like I've got no shame or qualms about a guy being like me saying, fetch me, open the car door, pay for dinner, like treat me like a queen. Great. I'm all empowered. I don't want to be with a man like that for long. Right. I want to be with the one who ignores me, rejects me, uh, is like sexually exploitive to me. And I'm like, okay, well, like just, you know, like, yeah, Do you think, as we've talked about, like, before a little bit, that, like, that, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean, but, like, but just sort of, men are a little boring to you because you're maybe a little superior to them. I mean, yeah, I definitely have those. I feel like I don't hate men anymore, but I definitely feel that they are, on average, the mediocre sex compared to the women that I know who are far more stimulating and, like, just sensational in general. Right. And that they are so far behind because of the patriarch of allowing themselves to even have emotional process anything or be in touch with themselves it's just this massive disconnect yeah it's very sweet but it's like a little baby yeah so it's an interesting thing of like this little puppy you know a man's like a little dog but can't do much so yeah i i yeah and so and you know this was that epiphany that i had you know that like there are all these smart fabulous women who go uh for these like unavailable or emotionally abusive or sometimes literally abusive, physically mm. abusive men. And part of what it is, is we've been raised and told over and over and over again, men are so important, you know, men are everything. And if you're a woman um, who's smart, it it's all very easy. And so you go, well, this must just be more complicated than I, you know, I've been told yeah. how amazing they are. So I better go for that one that's really like ignoring me because that maybe must... he's better or something. Yeah, and also I just look around and I don't want what anyone has in the right. relationship. So I'm like, you're in this thing with this loser. Like, like I'd rather get a straight up guy who's I don't know by society's terms a loser, but at least it's interesting to me. 
Like at least there's something which stimulates my mind. Like even if it's the, it's very hard to get rejected the way I like to get rejected. Mm-hmm. And I find very interesting ways to get my needs met of this kind of rejection. But why do you think you like rejection? Because it means I'm free. What does that mean? I don't have to actually settle down with them. I don't have to stay. I get to live my life. I get to go to Blue Bottle, hang out with you, do whatever. But okay, I don't change the kitchen. What about being 78 and you're growing older and you're worried about being alone? And I've got to take care of an old, decrepit man who can't even probably fend for himself. There's that. He's never processed an emotion in his life. Can't cook clean. Like, they, I mean... Yeah, I love the. I love when I speak to some guys and they're like, you know, I was speaking to my amazing friend, Daniel. He's so great. And probably because he rejected me. I don't even know who that is. It's the guy from South Africa, the dancing guy. I don't know. You've never talked about him. <laughs> this amazing person, your face. The only time I've ever heard you praise a man. I've yeah, never the, heard you talk about him. This man wouldn't have sex with me. It was like, it was game changing. I, yeah. mean, I still want to close that deal. He's yeah. my girlfriend, whatever. So this guy was like... Um, He's like, Lauren, you'll find a man who's spiritual and pure and will know how to fuck you. And he says these things to me like it's like it's possible. I'm like... It's possible? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Like... It's possible. Do you know how much I've dated? I know, but like... like the good ones, the ones who are like the, the enlightened ones are the biggest con men I've ever met. The more rotten on the outside, the more comfortable because at least I know what I'm dealing with. I feel like these shiny fucking apples, there are worms inside that go so deep and so dark that I don't even want to look. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm open to it, I think. I'm always constantly trying. I'm putting myself out there. That's true. Getting rejected left, right, and center. And then I find it funny because I'm like, what what sane person would reject me? I agree. (laughs) No. I I don't understand it at all. Well, there there are a few. Um, Yeah. I, okay, so shame. So, so yeah, I mean, it is one thing that I try to understand about you because you know I relate to every single thing about you except that. The what? This thing that, like, we essentially want different things with men. Like, I am very yeah. happy in a committed relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, like... I can feel very claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, and I, my ideal is that I have someone who is my intellectual match, and we create things together, and he's a writer. Yeah. And we're building a life, but he's in his office, I'm in mine. But yeah. We, we share time with dogs. Yeah. And... And like sexual, like in a, sexual and spiritual for me are key. Like I want yeah. us to be on fire in both those departments. And we very much, we adventure around together. Like we could just be the, like, I want someone where we could do nothing and it's heightened just because he's there. Yeah. So that's my dream. Yeah. Cool. Where's Have that? you ever had that? Uh, yeah. When I was married. When you were married, you had yeah, that. Yeah, I had it. I also feel like I have had it. Yeah. Um, so then yeah. why are you saying that you couldn't have it again? Um, I think I could. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can force it the way I've been trying to. No, you know? I, agree. I agree. Like, I've really fucking been trying it myself. And maybe, yeah. But like, okay, okay, so, but speaking of shame, um, I, mine is, I have an age shame thing. Yes. And so, um, and like, even the other day, oh yeah, I was logging into your GoDaddy and it was like, Lauren Wallet 1983. I was like, she was born in 1983. Like, is this embarrassing <laughs> that she hangs out with someone so old? But it's not to you. <laughs> no. I know. No. I know. That's the weird thing. I have like a combination shame about my age and pride about my age because like I, I like saying my age because some people are like, oh, what? Oh my God. Yeah, I told you like, yeah. Wayne, when he's listening, won't know. But like, I show Anna to my friends and stuff, or like guys I'm seeing as like a shock to like, it's like it's a, a magic trick, trick to yeah. be like, Guess how old she is. And when I did it to my sister, my sister was literally like, 
she's a vampire. She's like, she's ageless. Like, how is this possible? Like, she like thought you were a mythical creature. So but I like, it's great. But like, I have all this shame around it, which is crazy because there are plenty of people my age around. <laughs> no, I, I mean, the only thing that I had shame around my age was the other day when I met that amazing guy who didn't text me back and then we found out that he was 26 and I thought oh maybe because I'm a decade older than him but maybe not but right. I was like do I have to worry about my age with guys he's like, so not amazing that guy so amazing no <laughs> I mean he looks also about like 53 yeah he looks super old yeah so there's okay. that he's probably lying about his age on Raya <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. But my cat, my cat is here. She wants to talk about age shame because she's twenty. Yeah, it's insane. And she she looks super young. She looks super young. So, is there anything else about shame that we haven't covered? Well, I hope that talking about my skin picking will help. Skin picking is great. You talk about your age. What else is a shame thing? I'm trying to think. There are other things, right? I think of, I think of disgusting things. That's what yeah, I can yeah, think yeah. about on the driving here. I was like, things it took me half an hour to get here because I put in the wrong address, which yeah. is very shameful. Yes. Um, yeah, you had tons of shame around that. That's of, boring, though. Tons of shame, yeah. Um, I thought it was something gross when I was married. It was my husband and I would pick, would pick our noses, like, driving, and that was <laughs> disgusting. Why do people pick their noses driving? I, I like Everybody I, does. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But I was like, remember as a child, I used to pick my nose, and I was like, it's such a shameful thing to do, but then... We got so comfortable in our marriage that, like, we'd do it in front of each other. And I remember thinking, this has gone too far. Well, yeah. Do you know Esther Perel, that woman made yeah, in yeah. captivity? That's what she says, that you cannot do that stuff. Yeah, you, you can't go too far with it. That's, that, that's not good. Um, but, but I don't want any man I'm dating to ever know I go to the bathroom. Well, that was how this yeah. whole clogging the toilet thing was yeah. so awkward. Because when I was married, my ex-husband didn't want me to go to the bathroom either. So I trained myself to basically <laughs> shit like a rabbit, like tiny drops. <laughs> and then I was so, because I hadn't been around a guy for so long with this last guy. I hadn't gone to the bathroom in days. So when I finally <laughs> went, I literally was so constipated. I clogged this whole fucking toilet. He had to come and pump it, which was disgusting. And then I did it again the next time. And he was like, you've got to start going to the bathroom. None of this told him. He wasn't like you smell like shit yet. That only came like weeks later. Maybe it was a delayed reaction. I think it was because that yeah. must have been traumatizing. He's like, can you please just deal with it? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just have a problem with going to the bathroom in front of men. Oh, oh my God. And then this happens. Oh my God. I'll tell you, this is, this is terrible. Okay. If you've ever done this before. Because of, because of my whole like scared to go to the toilet thing, I wouldn't go. And then I'd be sleeping and I would fart in my sleep. So loud I would wake up. I don't know if you've done that, but it's bad. And I would do it again and again. How fucking gross is that? Yet... I still get gas. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like disgusting. And then I'm like, I'm a human. And do I even fucking care about this guy? And the answer is usually no. I know. That's true. So maybe that's why I pick guys I don't particularly respect. I mean, I don't know. What can I do? I need like. I don't know. I men don't... seem to fart all the time and drool and do disgusting things and they don't care. I mean, I am. So, I have such an issue with it. Like, I really don't. Like, even when you were saying the other day that you're living with five cats that fart, I was like, "How can you say that word?" Like, it's, how- it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently staying with five cats. I don't like cats. There's five, and they fart. And when I said to the girl whose cats they are, what are these smells? I was actually almost like, I was asphyxiated. Like I thought I was going to faint in this dark room with this cat smell. And, and she was like, no, it's because they're growing. And I was like, growing cats fart? I was, I was disgusted. My cat never did. No, cats don't. No, they don't. That was disgusting. Yeah, it's all, it's all pretty gross. But then like, yeah, I've had guys do that stuff and they just laugh. So. Well, like, okay, so I remember when I went to go see my 
boyfriend in college, um, I didn't go to the bathroom for 13 days. Like you should basically die. Dude, that's but so my bad. body wouldn't do it. And then he left, like we'd been together and then he left and I went like, you know, just to go out for the day and I could finally go. But, but so I've gotten a lot better about it. And then I recently had that like whole God knows what happened where I, I don't know what happened, but it, but it, it's, some stomach issues. Yeah, bathroom stuff's awkward. And I thought it got me over it, but it didn't. Um, but like... Yeah, I think these things are gross. Like with that last boyfriend, like he was like, come jump in the shower. And I got it and I was like, oh! I was like, stinks of urine. And Wait, he, why did it stink of urine? Because he peed? Because he's like, oh, I just peed in the shower. I also, can we talk about peeing in the shower? I just find that so weird. Well, I don't... Re- I, I, I've done it to try to because people do it, but I was like, not really a thing Why do people me. do it? I don't know if you feel free. But this know. guy did it. He had a tiny bathroom. He invited me in to have sex with him and then he just peed in it. Was and I was like... D- yeah, this is the guy. Should we, no one listens. His name was Dominic. First of all, <laughs> so many no, people sorry. listen. No one I know listens. <laughs> no one listens. Just because you don't listen doesn't mean nobody does. In fact, I think it's all you about who are listening right now, are you offended that she thinks you don't exist? I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I think, yeah. I don't think of much that goes on outside my own head. But yeah, that guy, he'd pee. And I was like, that's gross, but didn't put me off still wanting to be with him. Whatever. I can't believe he said come in the shower when he was such an asshole. I didn't think he, yeah, I didn't think he knew that it was going to smell that bad. It was really bad. Yeah. But I forgave him. I, I don't her. mind the smell of pee. Uh, this was really bad. <laughs> I can't explain it. You're like, I may smell like shit, but you smell like <laughs> you pee. You smell like pee and that's worse. No, he he, he just, re- he, he was one of those abusive guys. This was a great line. And for him, he felt that it was novel. I just heard it so many times when he was like whimpering to get back together and going, you think you feel bad with what I said to you. Oh, yeah. Imagine how I feel knowing what I do to you. Oh, Classic abusive God. line. I remember you telling me yeah. that. And I was like... You're going to go back to him. I don't know. And I was like, at the time, I was like, don't do this. You, I love that line. Like, you know, you're my savior or I won't do it again or I'm sorry or I can't believe I did that to you, all that stuff. And I'm like, I know, I know. And it's like, but I do know because that's exactly the dynamic that I seem to get into repeatedly. I've had these conversations multiple times. Anyway, yeah, I went back, but then I left. So, yeah. Okay, so we have to get close to wrapping up. If anybody... Um, has any um, ideas for Lauren about, I, I'm mystified. I'm mystified by the thing with the men because like I said, I relate to everything else. So mm. I think it's a daddy issue. Maybe the dead dad thing. Yeah. I think um, also this guy that I'm currently seeing, like he's got some beautiful qualities. Yeah. He loves dogs, which is a huge thing for me. Yeah. He's very generous and kind. And he's the kind of person with the life that he's lived, um, which was he escaped a sex cult. Um, Should we just briefly talk about how you met him? Um, I watched his documentary the day that I decided to quit drinking. It was the saddest day of my life. It was my emotional bottom. I saw this man. I'd never seen anyone so sad. And I thought if anyone in the world understands how I feel, he probably does. But I knew that I shouldn't drink and text. That like, it's bad. I mean, that was the whole show I did with you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just bad. So I was like, but I'm going to reach out to him. So he was my first text um, and he was like, yeah, my first sober day was when he reached back saying that. So yeah, basically you watched this documentary. Yeah, he was so sad. He's got so much shame. It's the most attractive thing in the world. And so you found him on Facebook and just basically said, I found him on Facebook. I sent him a text saying that I was so happy that his life turned out okay. He was engaged at the time and everything turned out. He gave me a lot of hope um, because I was so miserable. 
and he wrote back on Christmas Eve saying, hey, thanks for watching. Um, unfortunately, you know, my engagement didn't work out. And I was like, oh, fuck. You like, like, what am I in for? Yeah, like, what am I in for? And when I first met him, I remember saying, like, he seemed like a photocopy version of a person. He was so gray. He was such a ghost. And I was like, I can't do this because I'm multicolored and all this shit. But, I mean, of course I could do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's like, I'm still into it. Well, okay, so this has been the, obviously the most fun podcast um, episode I've ever done. Um, it covered a lot of ground. It covered a lot of ground. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Oh, by the way, Lauren works with Light Hustle Publishing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, a free call with her, but you only get it if you're actually interested in it. Yeah, you need to just tell me which package you're actually interested in, and then we can talk about your story and... You can tell me anything that you I'm see. You can tell her you. Anything. anything. Yeah, all you have to do is go to book mapping call. No, 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 no. Free book call. Freebookcall.com. Um, and you will reach Lauren. And Lauren, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Bye, guys. Bye. Fun, right? That was great. Super fun. Oh, that was such I, an easier. Yeah, I love the way I keep going. No one. <laughs>